Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. Conversations to help change the way you lead. Every church leader will at some stage have to pass on the baton of leadership to someone else. Though in many cases it's not so much a case of the baton being passed on as leaving the baton for someone to pick up when they're finally appointed. Some might see value in an interregnum, but few organisations cope well when a, desig- when a designated leadership role remains unfulfilled for a long time. And most would argue that wise succession planning can help the local church enormously. Well, I'm joined this week by Stephen Sizer, the Vicar of Christ Church, Virginia Water. It's welcome back in the sense that in the past we've spoken of his work in the church and some of his wider interests. This week we're going to focus on succession planning as it affects not just the senior leadership of the church, but ministries within the church. So welcome back, Stephen, to the Leadership Farm. Hello. Good to uh, remind us of the church that you serve in Virginia Water, first of all. Yes, uh, Virginia Water is in Surrey. It's close to uh, Sunningdale, Windsor, Egham, Royal Holloway University is in the parish. Uh, we're about 15 minutes from Heathrow. Uh, it's a very eclectic community. We've got um, a traveller community at one end and then we've got the Wentworth Golf Club at the other end. Um, 25 or so nationalities in the church family. We're an evangelical church, uh, a welcoming uh, community-based uh, with um, an emphasis on um, evangelism, outreach, uh, good Bible teaching, life life relevant teaching, and uh, and a strong emphasis on mission. Excellent. Uh, and you've been vicar how long? In Christchurch, uh, eighteen eighteen and a half years. Well, before that, uh, Virgin, um, St John's in Guildford for eleven years. But I've been involved in Christian ministry for about forty years full time. Well, wow. uh, and you built a team over that time of of staff and of interns and volunteers. We have, uh, and, and always the danger of building a team uh, is that um, the congregation begin to think that you're doing the ministry. We've always, I'm always uh, committed to uh, the strategy of ministry that the Apostle Paul gave us in Ephesians uh, to the role of the pastors, the teachers and so on, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So we have a strong emphasis of expecting and encouraging everyone in the church family to, to share in ministry, to serve, to give, and to be involved in mission. Uh, but over the years, we've built up a team of, of people, gifted people, who uh, whose interest area or gifting in ministry is um, has been perceived as necessary to help grow the church. So when I got to Virginia Water, I had a part-time secretary, uh, and it was me. Uh, uh, with my limited uh, gifting, I knew pretty soon I needed uh, to motivate um, uh, volunteers we, we don't although we don't use that word uh, serving teams in the church but also to look out for people with particular gifting in youth uh, in children's ministry students and admin so that it could free me up to be more involved in pastoring evangelism and teaching so um, we've presently we've got a staff team of 10 um, and that's made up of seven full-time three part-time and we've got three other clergy involved who are non-stipendary. They either are retired or have their own um, uh, source of income. Uh, Will Bissett is linked to um, uh, a particular uh, travel company. Uh, uh, Nick, uh, can I say that again? Sure, no, absolutely. Just um, that, yeah. 
I shouldn't have said that like that. Um, no, no, don't worry. At what point are you going to start again? Um, well, if, if I say we just, we've got a staff team of 10. Okay. okay. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. We, I can just edit this bit out. That's Thank great. you. That's no problem. Um, yeah. Now, I, I do recall uh, in previous conversations, Stephen, your, your own personal philosophy of wind, build and send, which you kind of articulated just then. And, and as we talk about succession, I guess there's a sense in which the send part of that philosophy presupposes a church that constantly developing people so that leaders of ministries equip those who will take their role and that was implied by your your concern when I asked you about staff that actually we're not asking the staff to do the job that's right um I mean the wind build send for me are three dimensions of the 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 great commission which Jesus gave the apostles to go into all the world and make disciples teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and I'll be with you always to the end of the age uh, we tend to focus on that first word, go, but in the Greek, the emphasis is on making disciples. Mm. And that's a continuous process. Uh, you know, Rick Warren in his, his book, Purpose Driven Life, says the greatest tragedy is not death, it's living without purpose. Mm. And the purpose of the Christian, as Dawson Trotman put it, the founder of The Navigators, is to we're born to reproduce. And if we're not reproducing, we're just growing old. Mm. And uh, the tragedy of, of many of uh, the denom- denominations in this country is that they are growing old and dying uh, because they are not reproducing themselves. So I love that image of, mm. of children needing to grow up, to become mature. Again, that's what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4. Our purpose is to present every person mature in Christ. Um, the other passage that I take very seriously is um, in 2 Timothy 2.2, where the Apostle Paul says... Uh, to Timothy, the things you've heard me in the presence of many witnesses pass on to faithful men who can teach others also. And there are actually four generations there. There's Paul, Timothy, the faithful men who'll teach others also. So it's, it's a generational thing. And um, again, I think where the church has gone wrong historically is to equate growth with addition. That, uh, you know, if I've got a full church or a growing church of more attendees, then I must be successful. Um, but Jesus in the Great Commission called us to multiplication, mm. not addition. Um, I'll just give you an analogy. If, if, you know, if Jesus had been able to pick the best team possible, those 12 apostles, and he'd pick 12 Billy Grahams, mm. let's just say 12 Billy Grahams, and, and their purpose was to lead crusades, and they led 1,000 people to Christ every day, seven days a week, 12 of them, different parts of the world, that's 100,000 people, one to Christ every week. Um, you know, I would, you know, most clergy would die for that kind <laughs> of uh, growth. Uh, in a year, they're going to reach 5 million, and in 50 years, they'll have led 250 million people to Christ. But will they fulfill the Great Commission? No, 5 billion people in the world, they're scratching the surface. So addition is not what Jesus <laughs> intended. If, on the other hand, he picked one apostle and that one apostle shared his faith once a day with one person and in six months saw one person become a, a, a follower of Christ, at the end of six months there are two believers. But if in the next six months the, the, the first person shared everything he knew about Christ, everything he knew about being a, a disciple, everything he knew about sharing his faith with that one disciple, and the two of them shared their faith once a day with one person, at the end of one year, there are four. Okay? Compared to 12 Billy Grahams, they've right. reached 
five million. Right, right. Okay, but the power is in the exponential growth right. of multiplication. Right, right. And you know how many years it would take for that one apostle to reach the whole world's population? No. Seventeen years. No. Jesus knew what he meant when he said, go into all the world and make disciples and I'll be with you always to the end of the age. The Great Commission could have been fulfilled in half of one generation simply by multiplication rather than addition. That's why we're passionate about winning people to Christ, building them in the faith and sending them to win and build. It's a simple strategy. It's biblical and it works. Well, that is that is that is staggering. <laughs> if you're at home and you've got a pen and paper, you, you could probably prove that <laughs> with uh, you know with uh, with a little bit of uh, rudimentary maths. But that's that's terrific. So, um, uh, so I was going to ask you, um, and uh, yeah, in fact, Stephen has got it. Um, <laughs> he's just showing me a piece of paper with actually that that mathematical um, uh, conundrum. Is it worth five billion in seventeen years? Five billion by in seventeen years by doubling. six months. There we are. That is that is wonderful. So, um, um, I, I mean, you you've you said you've been at the church um, was it eighteen years? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, has it been easy for that to become part of the DNA of the church? That kind of kind of outlook? No, it hasn't. It hasn't because um, a, a, a fruitful ministry is going to be continually releasing your best people. You know, your best people, you're releasing them, you're training them up, you're sending them out, and they're either planting new churches or they're uh, going to to serve where needed most. It's like being parents. Mm. Um, You know, the temptation with parents is you keep your kids with you because, Mm. um, you know, you don't let them grow up, you don't let them go. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of being a parent is that you train up your children to be what? To be parents. And so... So you're continually leaking as you're reaching and building your sending. Mm. And, you know, I look back over the years and see our attendance has gone up and gone down. Some of the people that we trained up and sent out, we miss them dearly. Mm. Uh, But every year there's an opportunity to be thinking now, who are we discipling, who are we training Mm. and who are we sending? And so to to um, to build that that philosophy of ministry is continually draining because vision leaks people forget new people join the church and uh, and the and the natural tendency is i think it's the law of thermodynamics the the law of um uh, of um you know gradual um what's the word you know the the, the earth is cooling down mm-hmm. the, the world is you know the world is slowing down the temptation is is it entropy into, entropy that's it mm-hmm. to 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 uh, to get into default mode which mm. is care about next Sunday sermon think about the hymns we're into maintenance mode mm. rather mm. than uh, building a movement and you know what happens when you get into maintenance mode I mean think of uh, of communism how, how did the communist party come to dominate two thirds of the world they didn't do it by holding you need communism crusade meetings in the in the Kremlin mm. They got onto the streets. And if you want to join the Communist Party, what do they do? They send you onto the streets to sell newspapers. Mm. What happens? You get sworn at. You get shouted at. People uh, throw things at you. You come back bruised. You come Mm. back um, beaten up with loads of questions. They answer your questions. They send you out the next week. Mm. And what happens is you begin to know how to answer the questions. You know how to present 
the, the, the case for communism. That's how they train up people from the ground up. Oh. And that's, that's what we try and do as a church. We encourage people to serve uh, and they're to serve more regularly and then identify their spiritual gifting and then give them opportunities to experiment, to fail, to learn, to grow. We oh. challenge them into leadership positions. But we're continually thinking, who are you training up? Who are you passing on what you're learning to others so that, so that you are not indispensable? One of the worst things we can do in Christian ministry is to build a culture where we become indispensable. Mm. So, you know, if I've been in a church 18 years and they need me more now than they did when I came, then I've failed. Oh. Well, you're listening to Leadership Fire with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Stephen Sizer, the Vicar of Christchurch, Virginia Water. We're talking about succession and we'll be back just after this. Welcome back to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Stephen Sizer, the Vicar of Christchurch, Virginia Water. We're talking this week about succession, handing on the baton to someone else, and how, uh, for Stephen, certainly, the whole concept of win, build and send has been part of his personal philosophy and his ministry philosophy, which has presupposed, of course, that even amongst the volunteers, there should be that uh, openness to... Um, to uh, having people who would succeed those who are currently in, if you might use that word, lay ministry, that that's part of the philosophy of how we should go. So um, you've been considering succession plans yourself, Stephen, uh, in terms of your own uh, role. What, what's uppermost in your mind as you've as you've been thinking through that issue? Well, I've been thinking about it from the day I arrived um, in, in Virginia Water because um, although we may have great plans for our future and we might think, well, I'm going to retire in X years, the reality is we could drop dead tomorrow. And um, we need to be thinking about uh, mortality and about our responsibility on a, on a daily basis. You know, have you made a will? Have you provided for your family? Uh, what will happen, uh, you know, if you had an accident and died tomorrow? Mm. Uh, you know, have you made plans mm. for your family, for those you care about, um, and so on? I think the same applies. We we don't like talking about death. The reality is it's going to happen. We don't like talking about succession planning. The reality is that mm. it's going to happen, and it might just happen sooner than you'd planned. Um, so, as I said earlier, my, my strategy has always been to make myself redundant. I want to be able to walk away from a church, and in one sense, for them not to notice I've gone, because the ministry, the structure, the, 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 um, the team that we've built up uh, is such that they are able to grow uh, without the constant need of, of, uh, of a leader, one particular leader. Again, in many churches, we have this hierarchical structure mm. and, uh, you know, you get a gifted leader. You may be a great evangelist, a preacher, uh, 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 you know, maybe involved in a specialist ministry. And the church is synonymous with the individual. Mm. Um, and uh, the danger is that when they die or when they go or when they resign, it crumbles because there's no effective mm. structure beneath them. Uh, there's no succession planning. Um, you take, uh, you know, if, if, if there was a, a communist takeover in Britain or uh, in America, it would be very easy to, to, to take out the churches by taking mm. out the leaders. Mm. You look at the church model in countries like uh, China and in Iran and other countries, it's not, it doesn't revolve around figureheads. 
around leaders. It's based on the cell church philosophy, the home groups, the small groups, the networking, so that if one cell is taken out, mm. the others survive. So that, you know, that to me is a very important model when it comes to uh, succession planning. Uh, building, you know, when, when I, when I, <laughs> I'll tell you this, when I moved to Virginia Water, the church wardens resigned. Uh, both of them resigned. <laughs> and I never understood why. And then about 10 years later, I met the archdeacon and uh, he was retiring. And I said, I've never really thanked you for helping me at the interview because it was pretty bleak. And he said, well, you know what? They didn't want you, don't you? And I said, well, tell me. He said, it's because they knew they couldn't manipulate you. <laughs> and it was because my I'd obviously communicated in the interview that I was committed to shared leadership, that we were building a team. And, uh, and they realized they couldn't run rings around me. <laughs> and that's why they didn't want me. Uh, and thankfully, they resigned. And then I would give you an example. They resigned and they said, we'll appoint our successors. I said, no, you won't do that. Um, I will participate in appointing the new church wardens. The problem is I didn't know anyone. And I prayed about it. Hmm. And I came to decide. I gave them all a bit of paper. I had two church wardens, two deputy wardens and two readers. I said, here's a bit of paper. No conferring. Write the names down of four people that you would recommend as church wardens. They all had to write four names. I gathered in the bits of paper. I laid them out in front of them. And we made a, a hierarchical structure based on those that they had recommended. They couldn't argue with me because they'd chosen, but they'd chosen collectively. And I said, those are the two I'm going to ask first. So no one could criticize me for who we'd picked. Mm. And we picked two people and they were fantastic. One was an 80-year-old and one was a... Uh, 40 year old uh, the 40 year old was quite conservative cautious the 80 year old was radical he wanted no. to, to knock the <laughs> church down and rebuild a new one they were lovely working mm. together um, and that's so that's how we began mm. the ministry mm. but but building a healthy church revolves around shared leadership identifying gifting mm. uh, releasing people into service so at Christchurch, as I said, we've got our staff team, but we've got home group leaders, Sunday club leaders, pastoral care team. One of my key roles is to be a talent spotter. When people come mm. in through the door, the most important person in a church is your newest member. Mm. Because if you are not caring for your newest member, they won't stay. You know, I want to be a pastor of a Velcro church, not a Teflon church. Right, yes. <laughs> you know, people slip in and slip out of churches. Mm. We like people to stick. Mm. We we serve refreshments before the service, after the service. We do lots of food things. We want people to connect and to stay. So one of my key roles when people turn up for the first time is to find someone they'll connect with. Someone maybe, you know, last week there was a, an American family came along for the first time. I looked around to see who else was American that I could introduce to them mm. on the same wavelength, and mm. then I leave them to it. Um, someone is a student at Royal Holloway. I find someone who's a student, talk to them. Uh, and I'll break up conversations to make people go and do that <laughs> because the, the new person is the most important person. Yeah. Um, so for me, that's very important. I'm a talent spotter. Last night, I was out having a beer with one of the guys in the church, and he's an African, and he'd missed an event we had last week with some friends from Burundi where we'd had some drums. And he said, I play the drums. I said, you play the drums? <laughs> I said, I'm going to tell our music director you play the drums because we want you to play the drums. Yeah. When people share that they have a passion, yeah. we tap into that. As opposed to it's going to be six months' time before you're on a rotor. Forget if we, it. If we forget like it. it. Yeah. Forget <laughs> it. We don't like rotors. We don't like volunteers because volunteers don't serve. Right. Interesting. Volunteers don't yes. serve. Volunteers choose when they're going to serve. 
when they're going to give time. Mm. Servants don't volunteer. Okay. Servants, and we're servants of Christ. Mm. The model Jesus gives us in John 13 is servant leadership. That's the model. He said, uh, I'm your teacher and your Lord. You call me master, and that's what I am, and that's why I'm washing your feet. Mm. If you want to be a leader, you have to serve. So we model that. Um, and motivate people to come alongside and serve. For me, that's the most important thing about succession planning, mm. not picking a date. Um, the temptation, again, I see this so often in ministry, the temptation is that people abdicate the responsibility and they'll resign when it's convenient. Um, and then they'll look around and say, well, I'm going to resign so they'll appreciate me when I've gone. Well, that's, that's bad leadership. It's bad leadership. The last thing the church needs is to be left in, in you know, in a uh, hanging, as it were. Much, much better to say, I've got two years to go, sit down with the leaders and say, I plan to retire in two years, so let's get down to the nitty-gritties of what needs to take place to mm. make it as smooth and relaxed and positive as possible. Mm. I mean, that's why I don't think that uh, my role, I should have any say in uh, in choosing a successor. It's very easy to think in terms of, well, uh, you need a clone just like me. Uh, and that's often the last thing people need. So mm. my role will be to help prepare them for that, um, focus on the direction of the church, focus on um, our priorities as a church. We're just about to launch a new 2020 vision, five-year plan. Um, get the foundations right so that the leaders will be wise enough, mature enough, competent to choose uh, a successor. Right. Now, what what you've been describing, which is which is lovely, uh, I have to say. I mean, you know, personally, in terms of servant leadership, in terms of collective leadership, um, to, to some extent, and and maybe you know, I'm, I'm, I attend a Church of England church as well, but something of the, the structure of Church of England, and even calling. And using the word priest of of those who serve, and the word vicar, vic, you know, vic, vicarious in place of Christ, kind of concept, actually mitigates against some of the things that you're you're saying, uh, which is as I say, so it's lovely to hear. It but, can but, do. Um, it can do. If you, I mean, the the Church of England is was founded and rooted in scripture, mm. the Reformed tradition, and um, when the system works well, there are checks and balances. Right. So the church wardens, the senior uh, lay leaders, are appointed by the bishop, and their role is to cooperate with the clergy in giving leadership through the church council, and and they are responsible for the buildings and the finances. Mm. So as a pastor, I have nothing to do with the money, okay. nothing to do with the buildings. I delegate all of that. And together we sit down with um, some of the others on the church council, the standing committee, and we strategize how we can help the church council make the right decisions for the future and the, uh, the better interests of the church and, and our mission uh, in, in the community. Um, but the, the system is there to the structure, and there's a structure in the, the Baptist church mm. as much as uh, I've got a, a good friend who's a Baptist minister uh, who was who was uh, I was discussing with one of his members this week about his succession planning and he's trying to lay down the kind of person that they should be mm. appointing. In the way the way the Church of England works is that uh, when you announce your resignation or your retirement, uh, you've got at least three months. You've got at least three months' notice, 
Um, the first step is that the church leaders have to create a statement of need. Where is the church at? What it's what does its health look like? Its strengths, its weaknesses, its its uh, priorities. Um, and then only after the minister has left do they write the personal spec as to the kind of person they're looking yeah. for. And uh, clergy are not allowed to stay in the parish after they retire because that would that could potentially create an adverse context for a new minister okay. coming in. Well, you've been listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Stephen Sizer. We've been looking at succession planning. Uh, we're going to be looking at this uh, next week as well. So... Um, uh, been lovely to have your your company thank you Stephen for all you've shared thus far and we'll be continuing this conversation next week so do uh, log on to Premier's own website www.premier.org.uk and listen to archived versions of a leadership file you can uh, also go to iTunes and subscribe there either via the Premier website or via uh, iTunes Direct look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30 thanks for tuning in You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk.